In a podcast that claims to focus on exploring the very best insights of psychology through the lens of scripture, it was inevitable that I would eventually want to explore something called the Enneagram. Now, if you haven't heard of the Enneagram yet, Dr. Kevin DeYoung, a pastor and professor of systematic theology, thinks it won't be long before you do. He points out that the media giant Christianity Today has been a frequent advocate of the Enneagram. The idea of the Enneagram has literally been around for centuries. Even the modern version has been around for decades, despite the fact that few, if any, Christians had ever heard of it before the 2010s. I first stumbled onto it back in the late 90s, early 2000s while doing research. I spent some time digging into it, reading what the Enneagram culture had to offer at the time, which was much more sparse than today, of course. And ultimately, I just lost interest over what, to me, just felt like a real lack of substance compared to other models of personality. So for most of history, the Enneagram has been more of a sideshow, with very few people paying attention. But all that has changed in the last 10 to 15 years. Today, it seems, the Enneagram popularity is really picking up speed. Writer Sarah Sloat says that on TikTok, for example, the hashtag Enneagram is associated with more than 50 million views. As can be expected, this sudden popularity has been polarizing. On one side are those who believe it to be sacred, like Enneagram evangelist Christopher Huertz. And on the other side are those who believe it to be satanic. Of course, to be fair, most people, even those who are aware of it, probably fall somewhere in the middle, if they even think about it at all. Okay, so how did we get the Enneagram? Well, let me back up a little. How do we get any knowledge or insight? Well, to keep things simple, let's say that there are only two sources of knowledge or insight, natural or supernatural, each with two varieties. Natural sources can be either formal rigorous testing, study, and discovery, or anecdotal observation, in other words, the everyday variety of study and discovery. Supernatural sources can be either good or evil, but never, ever anything in between. In that vein, Dr. Gary Gilley has done extensive natural, formal research on the Enneagram, far more than I can tell you about in a single podcast. I'll link to his stuff in the show notes for this episode. He says the origins of the Enneagram, quite frankly, are very difficult, if not impossible, to nail down, even by those who are highly invested in the system. Some ground its beginnings in the occult, but most trace it to various mystical sources. Richard Rohr wrote in his 1989 book, Discovering the Enneagram, an Ancient Tool for a New Spiritual Journey, that its beginnings could be traced to medieval, Islamic Sufi sources. Medieval Islamic Sufi. What does that mean? Well, followers of Sufism believe that they can become closer to their deity through inner purification and introspection. Introspection being the real key. How so? Well, let me slow this way down so you can really chew on this definition that they themselves provide. Sufism believes that, quote, the inner reality of human life is nothing but God itself, and that true self-knowledge amounts to the knowledge of God. 
which can be attained by removing the veils that cover a human being's true nature and prevents them from seeing God within themselves. End quote. So inner reality equals God, self-knowledge equals knowledge of God, and you remove the veil to see God inside. Thirty years later, Rohr decided to revise his thoughts and he gave source credit to, quote, at least in part the Christian desert monk Evagrius Ponticus, end quote. Okay, so who's Ponticus? Well, he was a student of origin and they were both eventually labeled as heretics, which you can read about also in the show notes. So the Enneagram was either created by ancient Sufi Muslim mystics or heretical Christian mystics, or perhaps a little of both. Either way, it's not really a celebrated origin story. But that's the origins. Psychological theories often have questionable origins, so it's just something you should always be aware of and account for. So what about modern versions of the Enneagram? Well, Dr. Gilly says that it's the Enneagram of personality which draws most of the attention today. George Gurdjieff kick-started the modern movement back in 1916 after he learned the Enneagram from Islamic Sufis in Asia. And then, in the late 1970s, Oscar Icazo, a member of a group who was, quote, committed to the quest for hidden knowledge, end quote, actually says that he had a seven-day vision in which angels supposedly taught him the Enneagram. Picasso then passed on that supernaturally delivered knowledge to Chilean Gestalt psychologist Claudio Naranjo. Naranjo then wove in some of Freud's id, ego, and superego concepts along with ideas about our supposed wounded child and the renewed Sufi idea to find our, quote, true self, end quote. And the modern personality tool was born. So in this episode... Let me address the Enneagram from the view of psychology and the theory of personality. Christopher Huertz and other leading Enneagram teachers admit that the theory is based in mysticism. It has no scientific, medical, or psychological verification, and it lacks biblical support. Even Crone and Stable, two highly regarded Enneagram instructors, admit in their ultra-popular book, The Road Back to You, an Enneagram Journey to Self-Discovery, that the Enneagram is, quote, an archaic, historically questionable, scientifically unsupported personality typing system, end quote. And they go on to say, quote, at best, it is an imprecise model of personality, end quote. It's no wonder that the overwhelming majority of psychologists reject it outright. Writer Sarah Sloat contacted several experts in the theories of personality to get their take on it. Sanjay Sirvastava, the director of the Personality and Social Dynamics Lab at the University of Oregon, says it doesn't originate in a validated scientific theory and his skepticism is largely based on an absence of evidence. Luke Smilly, the director of Personality Process Lab at the University of Melbourne, says, quote, Frankly, the Enneagram is probably at the top of the list of tests that I would not recommend. It is pseudoscientific at best. End quote. Smilly explains that the categorical types of the Enneagram are not derived empirically from any data, and they're not the result of any effort to carefully observe and quantify 
that different ways people are psychologically different from each other. So then, the Enneagram is, in Dr. Smilly's words, pseudoscience. Dictionary.com defines pseudo as, quote, almost approaching or trying to be, end quote. So the Enneagram is almost approaching or trying to be science, but ultimately it fails because there's been no formal, rigorous study in the development of the tool itself. So from a purely psychological perspective, the Enneagram is a subpar, anecdotal, pseudoscientific tool that is simply eclipsed by other tools and resources. I mean, if you really want a tool that will help you gain deep, rigorously studied, tested, and retested insights into human nature and the human psyche, and even your own behavioral patterns, I personally recommend the DISC as a superior tool in every way. The DISC has a hundred years of rigorous scientific study and scrutiny behind it. The Enneagram, despite how long it's been around, has none. If it is natural knowledge, then it is purely anecdotal. But as we've already covered, Icazo actually said that his ideas were supernaturally transferred. Huertz seems to confirm this idea when he says, quote, It's no overstatement to suggest that we hardly understand what we're working with, end quote, as if the ideas themselves were beyond human insight. So that means that the supernatural inspiration for the Enneagram is either good or evil, no in-between. If it's good, it should line up perfectly with the Bible, the divinely inspired Word of God, and that's what we'll explore in part two. For now, remember, a better mind always leads to a better life.